This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. And today I'm talking with Ann Altman, CEO, Everyone Matters, board member, and former general manager, IBM Federal and Government Industries. Ann is an experienced and respected corporate director serving on numerous public boards and private boards. Ann is well known for her expertise and leadership in business and government. Ann was with IBM for 35 years. In her last role, she was the general manager of U.S. Federal and Government Industries. And I know you're super busy. So first off, thank you for taking the time to, to be on our show with us today. It's terrific to be with you, Aileen. I, um, I've been looking forward to this, although I have to say I don't really like hearing 35 when it's been a number of years since I retired from IBM. <laughs> well, we both know we got started in kindergarten, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So first off, this show is on leadership. So I always try to ask um, our guests, can you describe your leadership style? Sure. I think I look at myself uh, as being an authentic leader. I use that word because uh, I think that's how I've approached it, which is, you know, trying to develop a balanced view. Listening um, is so important uh, and having uh, the responsibility to have a consistent uh, approach to, to leadership. So being myself has always been really important. Do you ever alter your approach depending upon the situation or the folks you're dealing with? You know, Aileen, I, I don't think I change who I am. I think that part is is very consistent. But because I do believe that you must listen, you know, depending on what the situation is, um, you know, I may be more, as an example, in a crisis where you have to make a decision immediately um, to protect lives or to uh, address, you know, a, a contract challenge, whatever that is, you need to be more directive. If you have the information available and you can make the decision, you need to be directive. But, but outside of that, in terms of just how I show up, uh, I think it really is about being consistent so that people have confidence in who they're following. You know, you and I started about the same time. And, um, you know, when I would walk into, uh, you know, the C-suite, uh, nobody else looked like me is the best <laughs> way to put it. Um, being a woman leader in a male-dominated situation, did you feel you needed to lead differently or to communicate differently? Or And, and do you have any stories about that? <laughs> well, um, you and I both uh, remember the days where we were the only women in the room. And certainly in the, the government contracting community, it was even more, I think, um, visible that there were very few women in leadership positions. Uh, I have one story. I will leave the agency out, um, but I will share a story that I just think is humorous today, but it was really, really validating to me. Uh, as the person responsible for the federal government business at IBM. We were in a uh, meeting. Sam Palmisano at the time was the CEO, and he'd come to Washington, and we had a meeting uh, with the secretary of a, of a key department um, related to an opportunity, a, a contract that we had, and um, specific 
kind of requirements uh, that they were looking for uh, from IBM. And we entered the room. It was very, you know, a long table, lots of, of staff, uh, everybody attentive to Sam. And we are seated at a table and the conversation begins. And eventually it gets to the point where the, the discussion is now, well, Sam, what do you think? What will you do? And he, he very calmly looked around the room and he said, well, I'm not the CEO of Federal. Anne is. And it was like watching dominoes, you know, click, 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 all the way around the table. And then there was this, everybody's looking at me. He said, she, she makes the decisions for this business, not me. So, uh, of course, there's a lot of embarrassed looks around the table, but it was very much a validating experience for me to have that moment and then have in that moment everything change around that room. Uh, and for me personally, you know, the excitement of and the thrill of being so validated in front of a key client. You, you know, you brought up the prior CEO of IBM. Is he one of the leaders that you would, in your past, that you provided you important lessons or events that taught you how to be a leader and how to react to situations like that? Or can you think of someone else? Well, certainly. I, I mean, I had uh, the good fortune of, of uh, knowing and working for three of uh, the CEOs, Sam's predecessor and uh, then Sam's successor, Jenny. And I think in terms of things that I learned, one of the great opportunities that we have is to observe and then adopt and embrace those attributes that we we really appreciate, that we like for ourselves. And so I've learned from both sides, as I'm sure you have, Aileen, where you've worked for leaders that you um, perhaps don't agree with the style and you know that's not what you're going to do. And those leaders, like my mentor and sponsor in IBM, was uh, Nick D'Onofrio. He he was the uh, executive vice president of IBM in charge of all of uh, technology and research. And what he taught me was about inclusivity. He just was authentically committed to that and embracing um, diversity and bringing lots of different points of view to the table and having the opportunity to learn from them. So I'm kind of giving you a long answer, but uh, I think I learned a lot from a variety of leaders, some good, some bad, and certainly Nick taught me vital lessons about inclusivity. So from a personal level, what obstacles and challenges did you encounter that you wish you had, you, you had to overcome in order to become the effective leader that you are today? Oh, wow. Well, like many of us uh, at that, during the last 30 plus years, women uh, have families. They have to make decisions about moving. They have to evaluate if they're making the right decisions on behalf of their family and their career, you know, whether they are willing to make many of the sacrifices that are required. And I think for me, it was an environment, we talked about this earlier, you know, it was a much more uh, male dominated environment and business was much less uh, flexible in terms of providing opportunities or choices for women. It was 
if you want to progress and you want to move up uh, in your career, then you will take this opportunity and that requires you to move as an example. So, you know, you move. And for me, that happened a number of times where my family said, we don't want that disruption. You know, we don't want to change schools. We don't want to start all over. We don't want new friends, etc. You don't have to deal with that. And so um, there were times I left my family behind and commuted home um, on weekends. I'm speaking with Ann Altman, CEO Everyone Matters, board member and former general manager of IBM Federal and Government Industries. After the break, we'll discuss the importance of investing in your growth as a leader. You're listening to Leaders in Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders in Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Ann Altman, the CEO of Everyone Matters, board member and former general manager of IBM Federal and Government Industries. So, Ann, tell us about your career path and how did you found, you know, Everyone Matters? <laughs> well, I how do I bring you all the way to Everyone Matters? Um, our career path, Aileen, I guess I'll just say, you know, like most of us, uh, as as children, right, we, or teens, I should say, we worked and we worked our way. Uh, I worked my way through college and then had the good fortune of gaining an internship to IBM. And then uh, that led to, as you already mentioned, a very long career with many, many opportunities and responsibilities within the company, all wonderful. And so I spent, uh, with the exception of a, a very different role in IBM, which was running the mainframe division, um, and that itself was during a very critical time for that uh, system. Outside of that, I really spent most of my career in the public sector and uh, was always really um, happy to be able to wake up and know that I was doing something to serve the people and bring the value that the company um, produced to the mission of the government. And so I learned a lot. And when I retired, um, I had lots of people approach me about different things, you know, running companies, um, board opportunities, advisory responsibilities, and so on. And uh, at that time, my partner, Dan, and I agreed that we wanted to form Everyone Matters as uh, a social impact enterprise that would leverage the experiences and the networks that we have in order to help people um, access social services, education, and healthcare. And so we've been doing that since 2017. Um, we have a book out called Trusted Healers, um, which really takes you on a journey uh, through the voices of magnificent um, medical professionals and leaders and shares the stories of, well, leadership stories in general in societal changes and the importance of, of creating a medical home. And we think we might continue that with other, other books on critical voices in education and government and so on. So that's a, a long-winded answer, but it's a passion that we both shared and have enjoyed since uh, we, we both retired. Let's double click on that trusted healers. We just, you know, we're, we're still stuck in the pandemic. We're, we're kind of coming out of it, but 
there's never been more pressure on leaders and folks dedicated to our health and well-being. Did you have a chance to find a, a common strength that you find in, in some of those top leaders that got through some of these really tough times? Well, I really would encourage everybody to uh, read the book, or maybe you could have uh, Dan Polino come to the podcast uh, at some point and talk about this topic. But yes, I mean, the voices of people who have uh, dedicated their lives to creating a holistic view of care for individuals. That's what the patient-centered medical home does, right? It's like you shouldn't have to um, go from one doctor to another doctor to another, and you piece together the story of your life and care in order to have a whole view of the individual. Um, But far more than that, it's things like the pandemic certainly raised this, the the mental um, wellness of everybody and how much that's been brought to light during this pandemic. Uh, Patrick Kennedy wrote the foreword to the book and of course, he's the number one champion around um, mental wellness. So it's been a very rewarding um, experience to put the book together, but also uh, to share stories that are, are so inspirational. You've had an incredible career. Um, any lessons you wish you learned early in your career as a manager that you wish all leaders knew? I would say find your voice. That was something that it took me a while to have the confidence that, you know, what I heard, what I kept inside my head, I could actually express and people would be interested in hearing it. And that uh, was very important as I became more confident in myself and what I observed. And I, I think, you know, I touched on this earlier. Listening is so important because that's how, you know, we can create informed decisions um, through the lens of so many that we are um, gathering that information from. And so that served me uh, very well. And I, I just would say, I wish I'd started earlier, you know, in my career. So do you believe it's important to grow yourself as a leader? I mean, did you do things along your career that helped or you invested in yourself that helped develop yourself as a leader? Yes, absolutely. And I think part of it was always, you know, always seeking feedback from clients, employees, from my bosses, also, you know, continuous learning. So uh, expanding kind of my my point of view by uh, reading a lot and staying current on a, a host of topics. I mean, today I spend quite a bit of time staying current on those things that are uh, facing boards so that I can be an effective board member in uh, areas that uh, shareholders care about. So, um, you know, and it's hard, right? The rate and pace uh, at which we make changes, it's just uh, tremendously important for us to stay current. And that's what I've done. Do you think it's important to understand your strengths and weaknesses? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. You know, Aileen, I'm uh, the daughter of a journalist. And um, so the questions that he asked from the time I could comprehend a question, I think, required a lot of detail. And one of the things that he gave me, as painful sometimes as I think about my uh, childhood, was the ability to listen, to 
craft responses and to provide a level of detail and then be able to be challenged and provide a level of confidence in one's thinking and you know decision process. And so that was important to understand um, in terms of, okay, I think I've developed a strength there. Uh, and I think I touched on, you know, weaknesses. Yeah, it's important for us to recognize that and also to say, is this something that I, I can work on? Do I have a weakness that needs to be addressed in order to be effective as a leader? Or is it that it's a weakness like, um, you know, I'm, I would rather have a CFO as my partner because the financial side is not where I will lead. And so being clear about what those things are and, uh, and how you will either address or compensate is very important. What is the relationship between leadership and culture? I, I believe there's a very strong relationship um, between the two. And, and I'm going to quote the famous legendary management consultant, uh, Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> what do you think he meant? And how does leadership affect a culture of an organization? Yeah, culture drives leadership right? If the culture is penalty-free, if asking questions of open uh, and honest discussion of an inclusive uh, environment, you know, of challenging innovation, if that's the culture, then the leaders will demonstrate that and create an environment that attracts people to be a part of it. If the culture is one that's angry and doesn't listen and places blame, I believe that you will see that exhibited in the leadership of the organization. So you think the push is on culture to leaders, not leaders in impressing what culture is like. Communications are polarizing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you think it's more everybody has a role versus the leader being the one that pulling the, the culture in a direction or not. Yeah. I think culture itself needs to stand the test of time. Um, and if you establish a culture, so maybe it starts initially from a set of leadership, right. That create the founding ideals that walk the talk that demonstrate, you know, that their commitment because they demonstrate that because that's how they show up and the organization has trust and confidence in um, the truth of that environment. If you bring in leaders, and we, we've all seen this, where you bring it into a, uh, an environment that has a specific culture, but you bring someone in and you put them in as a leader and they have a different style, right? For whatever reason, then that can damage the trust in the culture. Ultimately, so it's it can be cyclical, uh, but I believe there's a responsibility on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if you have an incorrect leader uh, at the top of, a, of an organization, they will either the culture will change or the people will walk. I'm speaking with Ann Altman, CEO, Everyone Matters, board member and former general manager of IBM Federal and Government Industries. Coming up next, we'll talk about being a leader that is trying to lead through challenging times. You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. 
Welcome back to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Ann Altman, CEO of Everyone Matters, board member and former GM of IBM Federal and Government Industries. And there's so many articles coming out right now about empathetic leadership. People are tired. It's challenging times. And, and there's talk about this great resignation. I, women are leaving at record numbers right now, the workforce. How do you lead with empathy during some of these tough times? What advice would you have for leaders out there? It is it is challenging, right? We're facing this and we're going to we're facing a recession and we're facing a job shortage with critical skills and people are walking. And so, you know, I kind of go back to the core. Uh, I listen, listening to what's important to you, right, to the individual. So when when you're thinking about an organization and you're thinking about the great resignation, what is important? Why are people leaving? And if you understand kind of what the root cause is, then I think you can create a level of uh, alignment with the organization to address the concerns or to be clear about the direction that the business is headed so that people can choose. Do they want to be on board with it or not? You know, you mentioned it earlier. I read prior interviews where you speak about authentic and showing up in this type of situation, do you think that's extremely important, the reality of showing that you're vulnerable? I do. I mean, we're human. Uh, and so being who you are and, and making yourself vulnerable by opening up and listening is, is I think, critical. Many, many years ago, I read this book by uh, Bill George called Authentic Leadership, and it just spoke to me. And I think I remember just feeling like it was who I want wanted to be and who I hoped I showed up as. Uh, and so, you know, listening uh, to people, collaborating, motivating, so important, those qualities of, of a leader. Um, and I, I think I've just um, tried very hard to um, model that. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this before, but, you know, it just seems like these days the hits keep on coming, whether it's economic, um, with the inflation, um, with the polarized nation and, and somewhat, um, and never ending pandemic leadership is so needed right now. What qualities do you think are really needed in these very stressful times we are experiencing today? I mean, the change that is needed to lead an organization effectively as we move to this new normal, because leaders need to show the light, right? Yeah. You know, I really, really believe that you have to listen first, uh, collaborate with all the stakeholders, and you have to motivate the direction. And you can't get that in the wrong order. Uh, maybe I can just share an experience I had back in 2009, I guess, that highlights this. So I took over uh, the mainframe division of IBM, and I was asked to do that by our our CEO, because I would bring the voice of clients to, you know, a, a very rich, deep engineering research organization, you know, that was developing and designing and spending tens of millions of dollars on the, on the next iteration of the mainframe. And in that time frame. The mainframe, as, as you and your listeners may know, 
was considered to be uh, essentially a closed proprietary platform with its own operating system and its own operating environment. And I felt very strongly that we needed to open the platform and change the financial business model for that uh, server by bringing Linux at the time on to the platform. So I'll try to make this a shorter story, but you can imagine, right? This was, if, if we're going to have this profit engine for the company change its, its direction in order to be more open, to be available for many different workloads and many different um, industries and many new clients, it was also going to change the whole financial model for that uh, business. And it was through uh, listening and collaborating and motivating and having data to support the challenges that came back from the business um, that we ultimately produced uh, what was then called the the Z10 and uh, positioned it as an open platform. Um, Huge, huge victory for IBM and and our clients at the time, but uh, not without uh, the courage of conviction and the clarity that came from bringing all the stakeholders together. Earlier in the show, you talked about the rigidity, rigid nature of the business atmosphere. Today, it's there's a whole new normal. People are working in a hybrid environment. They're working at least part-time at home. Um, what do you think will be the new normal for these organizations leveraging remote uh, work? And will it change the requirements of how a leader leads? Yeah, I think, Aileen, it, we've learned so much coming through the pandemic. And I think companies are, there's a couple things that are happening now, right? Recently, um, companies have discovered that people who are working from home may be working multiple jobs in their eight hour day. And so, uh, which is a concern, right? That either they're not getting as much out of those individuals or they're in, those individuals are disconnected from you know their primary job. But that also opens up all kinds of, of possibilities, you know, in terms of part-time roles or in terms of the importance of building back camaraderie and bringing people back into the office in order to develop that collaboration. So I think we have to look at that very carefully and understand, again, what's what's driving that. Is the the need to connect showing up by people getting, you know, a second job? Or is it that they're able to perform their roles in ways because they're now not in the office and not commuting, that they're just that much more efficient? So there's a lot here that we need to unpack. And I think it's early for us to determine exactly what that, um, you know, what the future will look like. But for sure, uh, we accelerated uh, so much in terms of technology and the application of technology. And I think we now need to look at individuals and what do, do individuals need in order to perform at their best? I'd like to talk a little bit about women in leadership. And you have been in a leader in technology for over three decades. Women are still drastically underrepresented in technology companies. I know you shared a little bit about the changes, but what do you think the, the issue is and how can we change that? I mean, you mentioned earlier, these tech jobs there's a shortage of talent. If we don't bring a more diverse set of people to the table to meet the demand in the U.S., 
it's going to become a, a national security issue. So how can we bring more women into leadership and more diversity into tech? Yeah, thank you for the question. I'm proud of the advancements that we have made um, in technology and, and in general for women in leadership. You know, and, and I've been very delighted that I've been able to mentor women who've become CEOs of tech companies, but that's certainly not enough. And I would say we need, to, of course, to mentor. We need to create a level of sponsorship for um, our women leaders, and we need to provide a level of encouragement and early on. I'm working on some projects right now with uh, George Mason University um, because, you know, here it's the it's the most diverse university and the largest university in the state of Virginia. So we're working on how to create a level of, of pipeline to bring diverse candidates and women uh, through to the tech community and doing that by creating a connection to those companies and by creating new curriculum that uh, uh, gives them a leg up, gives them the specific skills and certifications that are needed to start uh, fast and, and move quickly in, in the technology industry. I, we were both on the Northern Virginia Technology Council. You're still on it. And I remember a presentation that talked about how Virginia in particular was losing more talent than they were actually producing. Are you working with organizations like the Northern Virginia Technology Council to change that dynamic? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. You know, MBTC has... Um, course has just a tremendous reputation but also is um, so collaborative in working with organizations universities of course across uh, the region uh, as well as business leaders um, and if I can just uh, mention again uh, George Mason but certainly Virginia Tech and UVA and others um, have been building out these innovation centers here in in Northern Virginia to support uh, the tech requirements, not just for Amazon, right, AWS, and of course, um, but for all of, of the technology companies. Today, uh, this region is one of the fastest growing tech innovators, innovator markets uh, in the country. And I, I don't think that uh, that's well understood or recognized, but the amount of startups that are in our local community now that are uh, bringing talent right out of school and and looking for uh, those special uh, skills and technology and AI and cyber in uh, cloud in uh, development uh, they are right here in our backyard. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network, and today I'm talking with Ann Altman, CEO, board member, and general manager of IBM Industries. Next, we'll find out Anne's advice to the next generation. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Anne Altman, CEO Everyone Matters, board member, and former general manager, IBM Federal and Government Industries. And we talked a little bit earlier about government matters and what they do. Do you think there's a requirement with today's, you know, current and you know, environment for leaders to give back like you are with Everyone Matters to help lead us through these tough times? Well, certainly it's a choice, Aileen, but for me, um, one of the blessings of, of having a, a long career and still having a runway ahead is that 
you can give back and giving back can be in many different ways. For me, Everyone Matters was a kind of a, a passion of and commitment to help others by giving a, a creating the social impact enterprise to give them access to social services, uh, education and healthcare. And, you know, we're learning uh, as we go along on how and what this will look like uh, over time. But I think it's really important to give back. I mean, however you do that, right? Choose your path of um, bringing your your talent and treasure and certainly time to the cause. I also am really involved with um, George Mason University and um, with uh, the National Symphony Orchestra and the arts have really suffered over uh, the last few years during the pandemic. So, you know, I'd like to do more, but those things are really important to me. And I'm, I think it's responsibility for all of us to, to contribute. So let's talk about the importance of building a network. Um, one of the things that you can get back and giving back is actually building a network. And do you believe it's important for leaders to have a strong network or, or people early in their career? And do you belong to other organizations that help you build that network? Absolutely. You know, I have to say, when I was younger, I didn't really appreciate what my network was or how to create the network. And I think oftentimes that's something that we we all wrestle with is like, well, how do you go about doing that? And I think it starts with being intentional about the areas that you're interested in and that you can commit to and you can show up as an active, interested uh, engaged participant. So whatever that looks like, that's kind of how how it starts. You have your network of people within your company, potentially with the professional organizations that you're a member of, with volunteer organizations that you're a member of, within the community that you live, um, you know, the church, if you're a member of a church. So all of those things um, provide networks that then have a million different intersections. So, and of course, I'm sure all of your your listeners have uh, LinkedIn accounts and can see how big or how small their network is uh, online. But I think, you know, it's just starting that and making the connections and getting into a conversation, being vulnerable. We talked about that earlier to open yourself up, to ask questions, to ask for advice, to to seek support. Um, networks aren't very good for, you know, saying, hey, will you buy this from me? But networks can be very valuable if you come to the table with something of value to the people that you're reaching out to. So one of the most conflicting issues for young parents is actually t- having the time to help build networks outside of work that you you have to reach out. I have four kids and I knew uh, early in my career, this was a very conflicting, as I would say it is the biggest thing is because, you know, you have to invest time to build networks. I know you have kids too. And you talked about that story earlier. How did you balance that? And how did you achieve that? I probably didn't do a very good job of that. (laughs) Um, Certainly, uh, when they were young, it, it was a bit easier, um, and because I was also earlier in my career, so I, I really was clear about 
dedicating time and dedicating weekend time so that I could be with them because I was a working mom um, and I wanted to participate in, in their sports and, and, you know, their lives. Uh, but as you say, especially because the industry that we uh, grew up in, there are, you can go out every single night and um, be a part of an event that would keep you away from home. And I think it's really important to be selective you know, to ask yourself, is this function tonight critical? And if so, why? Because I'm meeting somebody, because I'm progressing an opportunity, uh, because, um, you know, I am role modeling a behavior for other people. What is it that I'm doing? And if you can't come up with a legitimate value for it, then decline and go home and be with your family. And you've achieved ability to be on many boards. Um, Tell us about being a board member, the role, and how you ended up, you know, becoming a board member of these different companies. Um, well, thanks. I I was very fortunate. Um, a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do I get on a board? And, and I have thoughts on that, and I've participated on panels and so on. Uh, but I, I had the good fortune of being asked where people reached out to me. So... Um, when I was in IBM, I, I uh, was on a public company board, and that kind of introduced me to the breadth of responsibilities and the additional level of, of uh, work that, that is involved with uh, being a, a, a good board member. And then over time, I was invited to be considered for a number of companies, and I now have a blend of board responsibilities public uh, and private uh, and nonprofit. And all of them come with uh, an amount of work, <laughs> an amount of learning. And most, I think, valuable is, you know, the, the feeling of, of contribution. Um, so it's very fulfilling for me to be giving back in a different way by providing that level of engagement and oversight for these companies. You know, you, you've had this incredible career. Um, is there any mistake or event that where you went wrong but gave you a valuable life lesson and maybe one you can share? <laughs> okay, one that I could share. Oh, my gosh. You know, probably so many. And you learn mostly through your mistakes, right? But without talking about specific contracts and things, I guess um, – I would say earlier on, I talked about, you know, not finding one's voice. So that was a big mistake, just waiting too long to be, you know, I'm an, I'm an introvert by, uh, I'm an honest introvert. And um, so I operated with a level of fear of being wrong and of, uh, of, you know, not being as effective as I could be. And it took me a, a long while to recognize that, in fact, uh, what I had to offer was was a value and that people wanted to hear what I had to say. Your career in success, you've had, it's truly inspirational, Anne. Um, you work with George Mason, you work with a lot of students. Both of us have kids that are early in their career. Any pearls is a wisdom you would have for the next generation? I mean, you said to find a voice, but maybe it'd be, you know, take the career track of tech. Maybe it would be, you know, anything else that you can add for that next generation to help them get to that 
to help be an Ann Altman someday? I think it's so important to, to be passionate about what you do, to love what you do. I mean, life, uh, especially when you're young, you think, well, I've got uh, 40 years ahead of me or something, 50 years, I'm going to be working forever. Well, make sure that every morning when you get up and you look in the mirror, you can say, gosh, this is exciting. You know, I'm, I love what I'm doing. And if you don't, really test yourself to understand why. What is it that you would do differently? Um, rarely do you look at yourself and say, well, I'm not paid enough, right? It's, it's about the impact you have or the environment that you're working in, right? We talked about culture. So do things that make you feel great because you're learning about it, because you're having impact in whatever area that is, and you're growing personally through that. And I think... You'll be a happy and productive person. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today has been Ann Altman. And I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some seriously valuable advice. Oh, thank you, Aileen. It was fun. I, I, hope, uh, I hope your listeners enjoy. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Kristen here, reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com.